This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, I'm well aware that on a communion Sunday, we only have a few minutes together. And, uh, but don't worry, that didn't stop me from preaching. It won't stop me from preaching a whole sermon. But I do want to address something that I think is important. You know, as we have started here as CAM, we have put out on our banners and on our logo this phrase that says, we're here for good. And we like the double meaning. I mean, Montgomery was already here almost 300 years. We're not going anywhere now. So we're here for good. But no, we're here to do good. And so our hope is that as people see that, they'll start seeing that and believing it, especially if they experience it. So we hope that that's the impression they get out there. What I want to address for just a couple of minutes, and and we're going to take several weeks to do this, but we're going to start today by just addressing, okay, so we kind of have a sense of what, what, what we want to say out there. Maybe we should talk about what's going on in here. What's supposed to happen on the inside, the inner workings, of the church that Jesus built. You know, if we are supposed to be following Jesus, then you would expect that we would increasingly act like him. We typically think of that as in an individual setting. And and that's, that's a great application. But it also applies to us as a body of believers. We're supposed to act a certain way. We're supposed to interact in a certain way. Jesus made that really clear. So how did Jesus describe himself? How did he describe those who are inside the church, brothers and sisters? If we were going to pick one characteristic this morning to kind of focus on for a few minutes, I think the term that might help us is this term of a servant. In Philippians, Paul said that he didn't, grasp and hang on to his position with the Father, but instead he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Now, servanthood in our culture means something different than it did for Paul, I think, for Jesus. And we don't have time this morning to unpack the differences, but if you will imagine that when you say servant, you're talking about someone who is invisible, not even really trying to say they have absolutely, absolutely no value. They probably have value. You've had a server, maybe in a, in a restaurant or someplace else, or someone who's sweeping the floor. I watched a guy pushing one of those really big dust mops through an airport once. And, and he was just pushing this mop through, just, just moving. you know. Just, and all of a sudden it just struck me that he was invisible to me, and yet for all I know he was the father of four and the grandpa of seven and I just realized he's important to somebody. But he was practically invisible to me. Servants are invisible. Their presence doesn't matter. All that matters is what they do for someone else. That's how Jesus came. That is not how I would come. I may not have worn a sparkly Liberace type suit, but I wouldn't have come that low. 
when you come that low, you have no social leverage. I could go on and on. The fact is, he came as a servant. Matthew 20, 28. Matthew writes this. He says, just as, or quoting Jesus, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is exhibited probably nowhere better than in John 13. In the story when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. We don't have time this morning to to dig through this passage. I hope that you'll take some time maybe later today and read that part of John 13. But as the meal progressed, Jesus slips out. He he wraps himself with a towel and he assumes a well-known position in the culture. He begins washing the disciples' feet. They don't respond well. They know that only invisible people do that. No way, Lord, certainly not you. I can't believe you would do this. And his interaction is so interesting. He poured this water in and he began to wash their feet. Simon Peter says, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Jesus replies, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. How much later is Jesus talking? Certainly now. Now is, now is included in his later. No, said Peter. You will never wash my feet. Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you're not part of me. Well, good old Peter, he has no problem making a complete turnaround. Well, then wash me. Give me an entire bath. Because I'm in. Don't you love that about Peter? I'm in. By the way, when we sign that membership covenant next week, and we won't do it in just one week, but that's what, you, that's what we hope you're saying. I'm in. I'm in, 100%. I am in. Jesus said, those who've had a bath need only to have their feet washed. The whole body is clean. You are clean, although not every one of you. You realize that even as this is going on, one of his disciples is betraying him. Not about you, but I hate feeling betrayed. It hurts so deep that it's one of those things that I have trouble forgiving. And even as that was happening to Jesus, he's washing the other's feet. When he finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on, he returned to the place. And then he says this, and now I want you to hear Jesus saying this, not Mike. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now, if I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do. Sometimes learning things is not good. Because as soon as we learn them, we're accountable for them. Now, there are many Christian traditions that do foot washing. Uh, the, the Brethren in Christ practice it. Many other, many, many, virtually lots of churches practice it either with regularity or if you've never been a part of one of those services, they're very powerful and very humbling. But I think if we were going to get distracted by the, the actual physical washing of an, an appendage, we would be missing the point. It goes so far beyond the foot washing. Washing a foot was a symbol for something much deeper. 
It was a willingness to give, to serve, to sacrifice for the benefit of someone else. See, at the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is this truth that we are to serve one another. If we don't do anything else in this place but serve one another, we will have done well. Now, I'm not talking about serve when you get the chance. Like, well, I can't wait for the next potluck. Because this kind of service isn't, isn't just handing. It is an attitude. It's an attitude that comes deep from within. In fact, we know when somebody's doing the right thing, but it's not coming from the right place, right? They kind of do this, oh, here. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> we are supposed to be servants. A while back, we did a little series based on a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> Remember? All the places you'd go. And even in that series, we said that open doors, remember we talked about opportunities? Isn't that fun to think about that? Remember where we were when we talked about that? When God opens doors of opportunity, what could happen? Here we are. Open doors are divine invitations to make our lives count with God's help for the sake of others. We said the secret of the open door is that it appears most often when we stop obsessing over self-advancement. And instead, we look for opportunities to love and serve. Open doors are especially important when we are paying attention to people that we would otherwise overlook. How does the Bible describe the way servants should look. Just a couple of thoughts this morning. One, this word humble. If you have your Bible, open it up to Luke 22, uh, or you can follow along. I just realized, I just want to encourage you again that even though we project these scriptures, I, if you have your Bible in your lap, go ahead and flip there. I think it's so helpful. It is helpful for me to see it. And it's we really don't want you writing notes on the screen, but you could write something in your Bible. Luke 22, 27. Jesus, again, speaking to his disciples, and he says, now, now think about this, guys. Think, 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 pay attention. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Duh. We know the answer. Obviously. Isn't the one who is at the table? He says, and yet, ta-da, here I am as one who serves the Lord of creation, the Savior of mankind. Here I am in serving clothes. It reminds me back in that passage in John 13, when Jesus says, I've set you an example to do that you should do as I have done for you. In the next few months, as we blend together and figure out how to use this place, Every one of us is going to be challenged. We're going to face challenges, and we're going to feel kind of confused at times. You will not go wrong if your instinctive gut first reaction is to get lower. Go humble. There's a comment. There's a question. There's a conflict. There's a difference of opinion. There's a misunderstanding. Go low. Just go low. 
servants. That's what servants do. That's not the end of the story. We could talk for hours. Remember Jesus said, take the lowest seat. And then, if you're supposed to be somewhere else, isn't it nice that they're going to walk you back up to the front? So there's, there's lots of things connected to this. First response, go low. Just be humble. How can I serve? One other word we'll look at today, and that's faithful. In Proverbs 25, we read this. Like a broken tooth or a lame foot. Okay, now hang on. Like a broken foot or a lame tooth. Not good. Okay? That's what reliance is like when you're relying on an unfaithful servant in a time of trouble or an unfaithful person in a time of trouble. When, if you've ever counted on somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, you realize, what a waste. Makes no, it's no help at all to trust in somebody if they're not going to show up when you need them. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said this, Now it's required that those who have been given a trust show themselves or prove to be faithful. Do what you said. What's scary to me is that sometimes that's, that's actually hard for me. Is that hard for you? Just do what you said. Oh, I'm just trying to keep up with that. That's what it means to be faithful. In Luke 16, Jesus, boy, these are cutting words. If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? There's this idea that when we volunteer at church, what's nice about volunteering is you can unvolunteer at any time. That's probably true, which is why we don't really find volunteers in the Bible much. What we really find are servants who are sort of indentured. There's a lot to be done around here, physically and spiritually. I want to encourage you to think about what it looks like to be a humble servant and a faithful servant. You see, showing up when you're not really needed, not really, not really helpful. Showing up all the time no matter what, whatever it is you committed yourself to. That's what faithfulness looks like. Now, we have examples of this in the New Testament, and probably one of the best is found in Acts chapter 6. We're going to explore this again in the next few weeks as we talk about how we work as a church. But in Acts 6, we see the apostles. This is the early church. The church is growing. There's people coming in, believing, new believers everywhere. It's, it's, it's almost a little bit of chaos. And, and a problem arises. Well, let's read it, starting in verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Hama, hama, that? Okay, so let me just give you a little background. There were At this point, the church was still mainly Jewish, Jews who'd converted to Christianity. And, and as they, they all kind of knew how they did life. They knew how to interact. One of the pieces of their culture was that they would have collections and they would support those who couldn't support themselves, just like our love and action ministry. But now a complaint comes up, and, and what's really awkward is that it's racial. It's a racial complaint. You see, the, the widows of the more Greek, the more Gentile-like 
non-Hebrew speaking, non-Aramaic speaking, how would you feel if somebody was treating you differently because of the accent that you carry? It's intolerable in this country, at least we wish, let alone in the church. And yet, here are these Greek-speaking Jews saying, hey, my mom didn't get fed. Now, first it's racial, then it's about your mother. Okay? This is a church split. Just ready. Like, it's just to throw a match on it, boom, it's gone. Right? When you're talking about race and your mother, the minute you mention somebody's mom, come on. Okay? So there's all this tension. Can you feel the tension? And 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 what's worse is not only did my mom not get fed, but his did. In fact, all of y'all's been fed. My poor mom is starving. She didn't get nothing. Can you? Ah, uh, this is a mess. Everybody wants to go back to the way the early church were. You sure? <laughs> it was a mess too. So the twelve gathered. So the twelve, the the apostles the church leaders, they gathered all the disciples together and they said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Stop. What kind of spiritual snots are they? Excuse me, you're too good to serve people. That's really what it sounds like. Here we are saying we're supposed to be humble and faithful as servants and they're too good. And yet that isn't at all. What, what they're saying is we're already busy doing what only we can do. We're in the word. And we're praying. We shouldn't stop doing that to wait on tables. Instead, here's a suggestion. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So what they're saying is, let's find some more people who, who are gifted to do this work. Now, I want you to notice something about this passage. You know, here they're talking about spiritual stuff and then serving widows. It's easy for us to paint it spiritual stuff and then non-spiritual stuff. So we're doing the spiritual stuff. So why don't you guys go find seven guys who are non-spiritual and we'll give them the non-spiritual job. But the qualifications they give are exactly spiritual. Go find people who have experience in serving widows. No. People with the gift of administration. It's probably in there. I think that's what we see, but no. It says, go find people who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. Go find spiritual people. In fact, my experience has been, if you're lacking skills, we can help you with skills. If you're lacking experience, we can get you experience. But if you're coming unspiritual, I don't really care about the Lord, don't really listen to Him, and we got nothing to work with. A spiritual person can be trained with whatever else they need. So go find some guys who are spiritually filled with the Spirit and, and have wisdom. And so the ministry, the story goes on. So it sounded good to everybody. And they found these seven guys, all these kind of Gentile sounding names. We, I wish we had time this morning. And they presented them. And, and the, the apostles, they prayed over these guys. And then they laid their hands. In a sense, they said, okay, now it's their job. And they handed that important job off. And if you look at the rest of the panel, the book of Acts, we're, by the way, sometime in October, we're going to start a verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts. And uh, although, let's see, 
Corinthians took us 48 weeks. So, yeah, we'll be in it a long time. And we'll stop for holidays and we'll stop for those kind of things. But we're going to be in the book of Acts because where else would we be as we start camp than to look at how God launched the church? So as we study that, we'll come back to this. But the idea is that these guys were given this responsibility so that the church could expand. Now, um, that's actually something we're going to be doing here. Crossroads hasn't really needed deacons in an official way, but now we do have a facility to care for, and there's all kinds of things. In fact, when you uh, came in in your bulletin, you found a little booklet like this. This is just for you to look over later. Um, it's filled with just a smattering of some of the things that go on around here. Now, some of them I made up. Okay, you knew it. You read it, you read it. You know, you said, I he made that up. He did not. So, but I want you to notice that, uh, for instance, uh, there are some ministries that we haven't even really started yet, life groups and student ministries, and, and our, we want to relaunch our midweek family ministries. Um, when, it, when we talk a little bit about facilities care, again, see, I made that up, but, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. We have a green team, a clean team, a gleam team. That was all me. That's all me. So if you use it, you know, mention me. Okay. So, but the idea is that, gosh, there are all kinds of jobs that need to be done. And what's going to have to happen if we're going to be the church that God intended us to be is that folks say, I can do that. As long as y'all appreciate me, because I come, you know, I, I'm expensive normally. But no, no, humble. I can do that uh, whenever, if I'm, you know, I mean, if I've got nothing to do. Let, I mean, but if I get another job, then I'm out. I'm you know, There's things to do that say, I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. Show me how. I'll do it until somebody tells me to stop. You notice, by the way, that these spiritual guys, nobody treated the job they had as unspiritual. Here's the, the leaders of the church, the apostles, and they say, great, this is a great solution. You guys do the tables, we'll do the praying, we're covered. It wasn't like this. Now, honestly, this morning, I, I didn't mind. I When I came in, I ran the vacuum. Because somebody last week like had a crumb fest right in the middle, right there. It was just like this whole pile of crumbs. Like, hey, no Pop-Tarts in this room. Okay. I don't know what it was. I was like, what is this? Um, I, I, in fact, I kind of like vacuuming when nobody's here. It's therapeutic. But, but we're going to need people who say, between the four of us, this place, the garbage gets taken out and the place gets vacuumed. We, we got it covered. And we need people to, do you know how much grass we have? Now, Gary, Jim, I know you guys know. Okay, I know you guys know. Like every waking moment. Okay, so for instance, I want to point this out. You're sitting. If you would do this, do this. Put your hands out. Do this. All of you are, are able to cut grass. Every last one of you. And when you do that, do you believe it's as important as standing up here saying like that? We do. People are in there taking care of kids. People are... Uh, Cleaning the bathrooms or taking out bags of garbage or, or visiting people in the hospital. I love it when I get to the hospital, visit somebody, and I find out the two of you have already been there. <laughs> that is so awesome because that's how we roll. 
Now, there's a lot that we can talk about. There's a lot in this booklet. I hope you'll look it through because in the next few weeks, we're going to be asking you, hey, what do you like to do? Or, hey, what have you done before? Hey, what do you have experience with? And mixed in there will be, hey, what are you willing to do because nobody else will do it? And we're hoping that all of us find places where we serve and we know we're making a difference. If you attend Crossroads, but you're not serving somewhere, you're missing most of what God wants to do. Because, let's be honest, we don't always come faithful or humble. But ministering to one another helps remind us why we do what we do. Now, in the past, we've talked about spiritual gifts. We've talked about how people grow, what, what causes spiritual growth, and we said practical teaching, which we hope we do, and private disciplines, which we hope you do. But one of them is this, this point of pers- personal ministry, getting involved somewhere, not like, well, I show up when I can. If you're not feeling a little pressure, it's probably not quite ministry yet. Now you say, that's the last thing I need is one more thing. Could I suggest that the thing you need most is at least one spiritual thing? Something that is important for the kingdom. And you know it. Plus providential relationships and pivotal circumstances. We've talked about that. We will. Spiritual gifts. We've talked about finding your shape, right? What are your spiritual gifts? What's your heart? And then right in the middle of there, there it is. Abilities. What can you do? We would love for you to work in an area that you feel competent or an area that we've trained you to be competent. The last thing I want to say before we go is that what's the reward for all this? Because, I mean, after all, we are American capitalists. (laughs) What do we get? If we do this, what do we get? What's so funny about rewards? Now, some of you get all super spiritual. Oh, it's wrong to do it for the rewards. Really? Because Jesus talked about rewards more than about anybody I know. It was his idea. He actually loves to reward faithful workers. He can't wait to do it. He's just willing to come on, catch you doing something, go, bam, way to go, Mike. He can't wait. He loves to do that. I want you to listen closely to what Jesus said in Luke 12, and then we're going to go. He's talking about this idea of being faithful. And he says in verse 35, Luke 12, 35, Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. You know, this picture of the, 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 the women waiting for their grooms to come. and for so, so like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and he knocks on the door, they can immediately open the door for him. You always know what it looks like when somebody's not ready, right? I had a cashier this week. I walked up, ready to pay my stuff. Excuse me. Oh, hey, hi. Okay, sorry. Like, you're standing at the cash register. You didn't notice? I was like, come on, pay attention. Jesus is saying, it's good if you pay attention. Verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Watching stands in for serving, doing what it is they're supposed to be doing. And then, now listen to this. Truly, I tell you. Now, wait, pause. He's talking about a master and servants and coming. Who's who? Who's the master? Jesus, right? Okay, who are the servants? Us. Okay, just get that straight in your head. Look what he says. Truly, I tell you, he, 
That's the master. Will dress himself to serve. No surprise, this is Jesus. He will have them recline at the table. Who's them? The servant. He will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Do you realize that Jesus is looking for an excuse to serve you? And that's what he promises as part of the reward when we learn to serve faithfully and humbly. So as we close, let me just ask you, if you have a place of service here, how is it? How are you using them? Are there like stakes in the ground? Like, that's my territory, stay out of my space? Because that's what can happen. I, Cindy and I, early on in our ministry, we were part of our job. We did youth ministry. We did something else, whatever it took to cobble together a paycheck. And so we were also in charge of cleaning the church. And what was funny about cleaning the church was, as every week went on, and I had to straighten chairs and vacuum up Pop-Tarts and do all that kind of stuff. And as it went on and on, after a while, on Sunday mornings, as I watched people walk in, I'm like, what, what, yo, you can't put that chair back, please? Can you? Can you? What is that? What? And I began to resent them messing up my work. And then when church was out, I'd be like, ah, people are pigs. And if they weren't pigs, Mike, you wouldn't have a job. But beyond that, this is your chance to serve them. You realize if nobody moved a chair and nobody dropped a crumb, you couldn't serve them in this way. It is so easy to stake out areas and say, this is my space. Now, there's an exception. You're not allowed in the sound booth unless you've been trained. Okay? They don't even let me in there. Okay? But you understand. You're not allowed in children's ministry unless you have a background check. That's it. But, but we're talking about stakes in the ground like my territory. It kind of flies in the face of being humble. Or helping out you know, when it's convenient. Like, it kind of flies in the face of faith. You see, serving means doing something for someone else. They may not even know. But you know Jesus sees it. And you know that he is so eager to reward that attitude. Because that's the way he rolls. So if you have a place of service, just check your heart. If you've got stakes in the ground, maybe over the next few days you go pull them out. Maybe you wave people, welcoming them in. Here, come on, you want to help over here? Or you give up jobs. Staff, uh, ministry leaders, we're talking to them all the time. Your job is to stop doing what you're doing and hand it to someone else. If The minute you can stop doing it, you're like, oh, well, I'm trying to be faithful. Faithful for a leader is get somebody else to do your job. And as you come in, you find a spot to serve. You say, uh, yeah, sure, help. Humble, I'm here to serve. Faithful. I'm here to serve until somebody tells me to stop. We don't want to wear people out. The idea is if everyone's serving, everyone gets a break. If you're here and you come and you enjoy Crossroads, but you don't have a place, why not? But let's see. Okay. Well, first of all, you know, I, I don't think I can do I, I don't I don't think I can do do that something. That's okay. Totally understand that. Tell us what you've done in the past, or tell us what you're interested in, or tell us what you're just curious about. Tell us what perked your interest. We'll start you someplace, and pro I promise if you're not good at it, we'll tell you. Because we think that's one way to show love. Believe me, we've done it. We say, yeah, you know what? This is definitely not your thing. 
and we'll get you somebody else. But we won't stop till you find a place where you say, this is cool. I feel like I'm making a difference. By the way, faithfulness means even if you don't feel like you're making a difference, you still will do it. Humility, still do it. But find a place to serve. You say, well, I help, I help when they ask. Great. Good for you. Maybe now you look for a place to do it regularly. To be trained as a leader in something, right? Find this spot. And if you come and you're comfortable just coming and sitting through Sunday and nothing else, let me just say, Jesus wants to reward you. He's inviting you to come be like him. Well, gone over. Let's pray. We can pray because the application isn't my business. <laughs> it's yours. I don't have anybody in mind. I could find elements of, of pride in how I serve, and I need to be more humble. I can find elements of being unfaithful in how I serve, and I need to be more faithful. The bottom line is we help each other by sharpening one another. It happens when we serve one another. That's what Jesus said this church is supposed to be all about. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us be a part of your body. You've adopted us as your children. We are your hands and your feet. We're your bride. We are brothers and sisters. Thank you for that gift. Teach us how we can be faithful in being like you, serving one another. Only you can make that happen. We ask you to do it. But you won't do it against our will. So make us willing. Open those doors of opportunity. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.